and welcome to Sharing Real Hope. My name is Mike Hall. When a person says, I'm saved, speaking about the spiritual experience of salvation, what does that mean biblically? And it is a biblical term. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. To be saved is to experience salvation. So what I want to do on this podcast and on the next is give an overview of what happens in salvation and and the implications of that. And so we begin with five things. There are five things that I want to talk about on this podcast today as, as I give an overview of what happens in salvation. And each of them uh, conveniently start with an S. So hopefully it'll be a little bit more memorable and it, it'll help to summarize what salvation truly is all about. Salvation first is a sovereign work of God. Now sovereign just means absolute uh, rule, absolute authority, absolute control. And without a doubt, salvation is a sovereign work of God. You've got to start there. You know, um, you've heard people say, I was going down for the third time and God rescued me. Well, that is not true. That's not uh, what the Bible teaches. We're not going down for the third time. We are down under and we've stopped breathing. We are dead. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says that we were dead in our trespasses, in our sins. A dead person uh, cannot do anything. And so if salvation occurs, it has to be completely a work of Almighty God. And so Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7 say this. Listen to the Word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Did you hear all of that? It was all about Christ. It was all about His grace. It was all about His work. It was all about God's choosing before the foundation of the world. It's all about His uh, predestining us to adoption as sons. It is absolutely a work of Almighty God, a sovereign work of God. There is no salvation. There is no being saved from our sin, from from judgment that is uh, pronounced on every human being. There is no being saved from that apart from God's work, His sovereign work in our lives. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace through faith you have been saved, and that not of yourselves. It is a what? Gift of God. Verse 9 says, Not of works, lest anyone would boast. And so salvation is absolutely a sovereign work of God. But secondly, salvation is a substitutionary satisfaction of God's wrath against our sin, uh, resulting in forgiveness. Now, that was a long sentence, but I want to say it again. Salvation is the substitutionary satisfaction. Someone else stood in our place and fully satisfied God's wrath against our sin. 
And because of that, as we turn to Him, it results in our forgiveness. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For us. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 10 and 11 says, But the Lord was pleased to crush Him, Jesus, putting Him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, see, he he did, and he had no guilt. He was a guilt offering for us. He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. This is God saying this about Jesus. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper his hand as a result of the anguish of his soul, of Jesus' soul. He, God the Father, will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, Jesus, will justify the many and he will bear their iniquities. And so salvation is all about the fact that Jesus stepped in in our place, the sinless one, and he uh, took our sins uh, on himself and he paid in full for those sins. He, we did the crime, he did the time. He completely satisfied God's righteous demand, God's wrath against our sins was fully satisfied in Jesus Christ. And do you know that happened before we were ever born? Before we ever were born into this world, born into sin, before we ever committed our first sin, those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, our sin was already completely paid for, all of it. All of it. All of our sin was future at that point. And when we come to the Lord and we turn to Him and repent, uh, we receive forgiveness of all of our sin, all of our sin, based on what Jesus did there as He was our substitutionary satisfaction. Uh, the Bible uses a big word, propitiation. That just means that He fully satisfied God's righteous demand. Then salvation, thirdly, is the, uh, uh, is the fact that we are supplied with Christ's righteousness. Now, don't miss that. We are supplied with Christ's righteousness. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, He, the Father, made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Romans chapter 4, verses 3 through 5 say this, For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Oh, that is so very, very important. Romans, same chapter, uh, verse 20 through chapter 5, verse 1 says this, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, speaking of Abraham, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness, to to Abraham as righteousness, his faith, the faith that he believed in God. Now, not only for his sake was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him, who Raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
You see, what happened was Jesus took our sin on himself, as I said in that previous point, and he died to pay for those sins. And then when we believe in him, he gives us, he credits us with his righteousness. We came before God, the judge. God brought the gavel down and said, you are guilty. You are judged. You are condemned. But then when we come back before God with Jesus as our substitute, as our advocate, and we've believed on Jesus, God brings the gavel down again and he declares us righteous. That's called justification. And he clothes us in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so uh, when we stand before God one day, and and and, uh, and God says, why should I let you into my heaven, uh, so to speak? Uh, the only answer is because of the righteousness of Jesus that is now mine. I can't get into heaven on my own righteousness. There is none good, no, not one. Salvation is the fact that we are supplied with Christ's righteousness. I can't make myself righteous. I can't keep myself righteous. I can't be good enough to get to heaven. And so that's the good news. But then salvation also is the fact that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 say this, In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. We were sealed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, when God seals us, that He puts His mark on us. He that's, That is a, a mark of identification. It is also, when He's sealed, it's a, it's a protection. And it says not only were we sealed with the Holy Spirit when He was given to us, it was a pledge. Uh, it was, uh, uh, the old King James Version says, an earnest. It was an earnest payment, a down payment on a on a transaction that will be fulfilled. Now, when God gives a down payment, He fulfills it. I am sealed with the Holy Spirit. Nothing can break that. And I have been given the guarantee that He'll finish what He started in me. As a matter of fact, uh, the last thing that I would say is uh, salvation is is um, setting me on a guaranteed path of sanctification. Romans chapter 8 verse 29 says, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. You see, God already predetermined that I would believe in Him, and as I believed in Him, that I would be ultimately conformed to the image of his son. Paul put it this way in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, for I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect or complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And there's no doubt about that. Philippians 3.21, who will transform the body of our humble estate into the conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. In other words, God has said He will transform our body into conformity uh, with the body of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So don't forget that. So salvation is the sovereign work of God in our lives. It is the substitutionary satisfaction of God's wrath against our sins, and it results in forgiveness. Salvation is the fact that we are supplied with Christ's righteousness alone. Salvation is the fact that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, which can't be broken. Salvation is the fact that we are set on a guaranteed path of sanctification, of becoming just like Jesus. And uh, we've got to keep that in mind. We've got to understand that. I want you to know that the Scriptures teach that this amazing salvation is a forever salvation. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 is such a powerful, powerful verse there. And, and I, I want you to go take a, take a chance to go take a look at it. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. I'm turning there right now quickly as I, as I talk to you. Hebrews 7, 25 says, Therefore he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for him. To save forever. It could also mean to save completely. So my salvation is permanent. It is forever. There's nothing that can change that. Nothing will separate us from Almighty God. Romans chapter 8 verses 31 to 39 makes that very clear. What can separate us from from the love of Christ? Nothing. And it names all those things. Nothing can separate us. Once I have been born again, saved, saved, born into the family of God, I cannot become unborn. I am His child, and I am His child forever. Now, uh, I understand that some people would say, well, uh, I know that nothing can take me out of His hand, nothing can uh, change that, but I can, I can jump out of His hand. And that, 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 is, that is absolutely not a biblical concept. And I'm going to talk more about this on the next podcast. So I want to encourage you to make sure that you look for the next podcast, and that would be podcast 217. And we're going to complete this thought, the fact that we are saved and saved forever. And nothing can change that if we're truly saved. Well, until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to this edition of Sharing Real Hope. We hope that you were encouraged in your walk with Christ by what you heard. Please take a moment to email us with your questions, prayer requests, and comments. Our email address is sharingrealhope at gmail.com. Again, that's sharingrealhope at gmail.com. Or you can visit our website at sharingrealhope.org. Until next time, keep living in and sharing real hope.